Welcome everyone to DGEN Responsibly. This is a series by Exponential DeFi, where we're on a mission to bring rationality into the space and make, it, make the industry more accessible to more types of investors. Uh, in this series, we explore some of the latest and, latest, latest and best protocols in DeFi, and together with their builders, we go in depth to know what makes them unique, what, the, what is the problem that they are solving, and also some of the risks that you as an investor should be looking out for. Today we have Tomas uh, Matemore, did I pronounce that correctly? Uh, head of Platform of Reserve as our future guests. Yep, pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> nice. <laughs> awesome. So I don't want to speak on your behalf, so if you can introduce yourself to the audience, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is Thomas Matamore, like you mentioned. I'm the head of platform here at Reserve Protocol. Um, the, you know, Reserve is a, uh, our, our mission is to fight inflation uh, and help enable access to uh, stable currency worldwide. And so, you know, a big part of that is um, hoping to, you know, foster and develop those stable currencies. Uh, and another big piece of it is helping people get access to it. And, you know, we do that with our, uh, with our app uh, throughout Latin America today and hopefully worldwide soon. Um, and yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Let, we can, we can go in depth into how reserve works, the stable coin and some of the interesting use cases you've been enabling uh, lately. Uh, but first, uh, the, the question that I always ask is, how did your DeFi journey start for you personally? Yeah. Um, my crypto journey. Uh, let's see. So eight years ago, a friend sent me a Christmas gift of $50 of Bitcoin. And um, it forced me to... Uh, figure out what the heck Bitcoin was. <laughs> and, so, uh, <laughs> and yeah, from there I went down the crypto rabbit hole and for the last eight years, it's always been a hobby to understand, you know, like what's going on in the space and uh, what are the different things that are happening. And, you know, I remember I used a Dex when they first came out in like uh, 2019, I think. Um, it, it was a really early one that doesn't exist anymore. And then, um, what really got me going, you know, it was always like a hobby. And then um, uh, my background's in fintech, and um, I've been working at mostly fintech startups for the last 10 years. And uh, so it was always interesting as like a potential future thing, right? And like in the future, it'll be amazing when everything's on blockchains. And then uh, I used MakerDAO in 2020 and for the first time actually got a loan. And I was working in consumer lending at the time, and my mind was just blown. It was, you know, like a nominally <laughs> large amount of money, and it was a couple clicks and two minutes. And, you know, like at my lending company at the time, it was one of the larger consumer mortgage companies in the yeah. in the country, uh, in the U.S., and we had 10,000 people, and it took 30 days to get a mortgage. <laughs> and, you know, we were one of the more automated players in the space, and it was still, like, really, really painful. And, you know, obviously, Maker like margin over collateralized loans are very different from uh, mortgages. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, even if you look at something like opening a brokerage account and getting a market margin loan, uh, it's still significantly easier with Maker or Aave or Compound than it is with Robinhood, right? Like yeah. you still have to 
open up an account and do KYC and do it and all the AML stuff and then uh, deposit money, which takes five days and, you know, like all these different things. <laughs> yeah. And, like It was just a mind, a mind blowing moment for me. And it really prompted me to dive deeper into DeFi in particular. And so that, that's been a, like an a insane curiosity area for me for the last, uh, last two and a half years now, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, no, that, that that's great. Uh, personally, I uh, I got started with DeFi similarly. Um, have background in, in in finance and tech, so it's um, you hear all of these stories where you just go, you scratch a little bit the surface, and very quickly and suddenly you're down the rabbit hole. Um, it's it's exactly right. There was I so that was like scratching the surface, right? And then so what really got me was the. Um, I, I just think it's like a disruptive technology because the automation of a lot of the operations aspect. Yeah. And so yeah, you, you must have been like, what is this origination process? Yeah. <laughs> it's a couple exactly. of clicks. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, so the, the crazy stats for me were there was, you know, like 10 or 20 people that built maker in the, in the beginning. And, you know, I, I was looking at, I was on like a 500 person product and engineering team. And then, you know, like, and then if you look at Coinbase versus Uniswap, it's, it was actually pretty crazy. They were doing tr- tr- uh, similar trading volumes and, you know, Uniswap at the end of the day, it was the original code was written by one guy and you know, there's like thousands of employees yeah. of Coinbase. And so like, yes, fees are higher, it's slower, there's, you know, more slippage, like all these different, you have to worry about impermanent loss if you're an LP, like all these different things, right? Um, but like over time, I, my big hypothesis is that those UX considerations will get better. And this is like massively disruptive technology that's just going to flip traditional finance on its head. So that that's what, that like, that key thing is what really prompted me to dive really deep and then eventually work on it full time with Reserve. Nice. Yeah, that was my, my next question. When did you decide it was time to go all in to the fund? <laughs> yeah. So looking back at it, it's easy to be like that moment, right? Like I got that loan from Maker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like as I learned more about DeFi, I, I realized that, you know, that it was something that I was just obsessed with and wanted to learn more about and spend all my time on. And so I started trying to figure out where I wanted to dive in. And, you know, I had um, three big things that I was trying to optimize for. Like my background's in product management and you know, I'm always trying to think about like where is the product market fit and where uh, where is it gonna be easiest to grow, right? And so my yeah. one of the big things that I another big hypothesis is stable coins are actually useful right now. It's the most useful product in crypto. Um, and so I, I wanted to, you know do something that involves stable coins. Uh, the other big thing is where is crypto actually useful? Not in the US. Like at the end of the day, the US like- Interesting pieces. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know where you are uh, in the world, but uh, like in the US, like our bank accounts are pretty good. We can get a mortgage if we need it. I can open a brokerage account and buy any stock I want. You know, like I, I can hook up Venmo and send any of my friends money or cash app or whatever. Like it's pretty good, right? Um, I'm not worried that the money in the bank account is gonna go away. Um, unless I spend it, you know, I'm not worried that it, someone's going to claw it back. But if you go and look in, you know, a lot of Latin American countries, uh, the currency itself might be um, inflating like crazy. You know, like in the U.S., we're worried about eight percent year over year. Uh, in some countries, there they're worried about six percent week over week. 
Um, and then, you know, if you have a bank account, you might not trust that the government's not going to take the money out of it. Um, you know, like we've seen examples of that, like in Syria, people are holding up bank tellers to get their funds, uh, in, you know, China, there's been run on all kinds of banks. It's been crazy. Uh, Argentina and Venezuela are great examples in Latin America. Um, in Colombia, it's illegal to hold us dollars in a bank account. Like there's, there's all these like crazy things, uh, where people around the world actually just don't have good access to financial products that we yeah, take. For granted. And so, uh, yeah, so that was the big third piece. And then, you know, I got connected with Reserve and it really like perfectly checked all those boxes. Uh, and the team is amazing. Um, it's, it's one of the s smarter groups of folks that I've had the chance to work with. And so it's been, uh, it, it was just like a, a perfect match. It's been a really fun eight months joining here and trying to figure out how we're, you know, launching and growing this protocol. Amazing. So I think that's a great segue into Reserve itself. Yeah. So can you walk us through what is the problem that it is trying to solve and how is it trying to do that? Yeah. Uh, so I gave a hint to this in the intro and then I, and then I realized that we'd probably want to go deeper. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so um, let's see. So in, uh, so our mission is to fight inflation and expand access to stable currency. And uh, we, we have a two pronged approach today, which, you know, now I, I think seems like the obvious answer, but it was something that was arrived on iteratively. Um, and the, the two pronged approach is on one side, we have the protocol uh, team that's focused on, uh, we recently launched a platform that allows anyone to permissionlessly um, launch and govern a uh, fully asset backed yield bearing uh, over collateralized um, stable coin. Okay. And uh, then on the other side, we have an app that allows anyone to use uh, stable coins and get access to stable coins um, and use them like they would normal financial services. So the app is, you know, it's live today in six Latin American countries, uh, uh, expanding worldwide over the coming year. Um, and in, uh, <clears throat> it allows folks to go fiat to stable coins and then use those stable coins, like pay at the store. Um, get paid by their company. We have uh, over 30,000 merchants and 700,000 registered users. And so there's like $300 million of monthly volume. Uh, and what's really cool about it is it's like real economic transactions and not yeah. speculation. You know, it's like payroll. It's people paying at the store. It's someone sending their friend $5 for the, you know, splitting dinner. It's... Um, it's people doing remittance to the U S it's like all kinds of different things. And, uh, you know, like most of crypto for the last eight years, since I've been following it is all speculation. And so it was, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to see like real world usage. Yep, exactly. So to, to summarize, there are probably two parts to reserve. One is the yep. protocol and the permissionless layer where anyone can launch a fully collateralized, um, let's call it stable coin. And the second aspect is uh, your own RSV token or RSV stablecoin that people are using for real off-chain off or offline economic activity for peer-to-peer -peer transfers and other sorts of um, like real-world payments. Yeah, it's exactly right. And so uh, the protocol team, we launched the RSV stablecoin a couple of years ago. And it didn't do all the things that we wanted, but it did a couple of things really well, which is to diversify custodian risk um okay and uh it's rsb is the stable coin that's live in the app today 
Yep. And it's, it's what the app uses um, for stable coins. And, you know, it's kind of interesting is uh, people don't, a lot of our users, you know, don't really even know everything's crypto. They just think it's dollars, which uh, to a certain extent is true, right? Like if, yep. uh, sta- if a stable coin is backed by like USDC or BUSD, things like that, like the, there's just dollars in a bank account somewhere that uh, has a couple different layers of code wrapped around it. And then you see it on a screen in an app. Right. And that's actually like really similar to an account at Citibank. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or using Venmo to pay your friends or sell. Exactly. These uh, apps. Yeah. And so like people don't care about the cryptos part of it. They just care that they can have dollars and save and use it. Right. And so that, I think that's like the key thing that we learned over the years. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and so then also, though, what we recently launched uh, a month ago uh, and is this platform that allows anyone to create a stablecoin. Because what we realize is we're trying to figure out how to fight inflation is that we don't really know what the right answer is in terms of, like, what should the basket of things be that can uh, grow and preserve wealth over time and hopefully create wealth as well. And yeah. we, we just don't know the answer. Uh, but we... Uh, have this hypothesis that the hive mind of the internet uh, can, and the hive mind of uh, free markets can help us find that answer. And so we launched a platform that allows anyone to define what that backing should be. And the backing can be any tokenized um, asset today. Uh, and then uh, over time, we're hoping that there's a winner that proves to be the best one. And so like, you know, if you think about how most people store their wealth, it's in like a, a basket of diversified things across, you know, like yep. real estate and stocks and bonds and um, all, all these well. things. And like none of that's tokenized yet. In 10 years, it might be. Um, but mm. uh, today it isn't. And so like today, uh, what's supported by the protocol actually is things like Aave and Compound and like USDC and Aave and Compound, etc. Um, we have a Gitcoin hackathon that actually ended today, which... Uh, included a ton of different um, collateral plugins across DeFi. If you go to the you know yeah. top twenty on DeFi Llama, it was probably a collateral plugin. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, nice, nice. And um, so things like Convex and Uniswap and all, all those different things. And so uh, you know the idea is that anyone can figure out what should their yield bearing uh, basket be, basket. And, uh, what you know how should a currency be backed. Interesting. So. Um, I think you're touching a lot of topics, but let me yeah. try to recap and see if I if I did a good job recapping. Yeah. So the the main goal is to help people fight inflation, and so the the first way that you're doing that is by enabling uh, USD based payments and savings in countries in Latin America, so that people who can't have access to uh, financial services in dollars and escape their maybe highly inflationary currencies have access to USD-based uh, or a USD-denominated account through stablecoins. Yep. And the second part of that is uh, more broadly or broader in which you, you're you opening, let's say you're opening up the kimono and, and the secret sauce in how to create a, a collateralized stablecoin so that the hive mind of crypto Twitter and the internet says this is like the right index or the right composition for a stable coin that actually preserves value over time. Exactly. Awesome. 
Awesome. It's it's quite a quite a big feat, especially in these times, especially this last year when inflation really picked up in the collective mind. That oh, yeah. we should worry about that as well. It's, <laughs> it's, it's been a it's been an interesting year for a variety of reasons. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah not, not not only that for sure. Um, and so you, you also have your own stable coin. So we we briefly touched upon it, which is RSV. Um, why why have a new one instead of using an existing one? Yeah, uh, so it's interesting. So RSV was like our beta, uh, and we intend to deprecate it over time and replace it with our tokens, which are the things that uh, which are the currencies or stable coins that can be launched on the platform. Um, yeah. And we still intend for that to happen. Uh, but the what what was really interesting is allowed us to test. Uh, something which was is it valuable to have a basket of things back in a stable coin that allow people to transact with something and you know the network effects to grow etc and then over time um, it the diversification is actually a safety mechanism and the ability to update it is actually a safety mechanism the hypothesis was that we might need to change the backing and so um, in the, you know, like over the last month as the FTX thing happened, uh, yep. we actually did end up changing the backing to what we thought is the safest backing available in DeFi right now. And so we swapped out one of the old, uh, stable coins that was backing. It used to be three. Now it's two. Um, and went with the, you know, the two, uh, most audited, uh, highest market cap stable coins. And yep. Um, and you know, I think what it really illustrated is that like companies change, markets change, etc. The basket that we chose three years ago, uh, that was seemingly the safest then might not be seemingly the safest now. And so that ability to like update the backing of something, uh, without, um, you know, forcing people to change how they save or keep an eye on the market and all of that, like having yeah. some people that are governing this thing and thinking about that all the time and responsible for updating it and separating that from the users, right? Like grandma doesn't want to care about what stable coin she's using. She just wants a stable coin, right? And so like for instance, know, the RPay app, like the RPay app didn't have to do anything. It didn't have to update the token it was holding, anything like that. We just swapped out the backend. Um, and so, you know, obviously there's like things that you need to think about with that. And I, I, I'd love to go into, uh, how the protocol, the R tokens on the protocol are like governed and why we think it's a good design and things like that. Um, cause governance is a crucial part of this, yeah. um, but yeah. I, I think it did, you know, we, it kind of like proved the design right in that, you know, like things change and it's important to be able to adjust over time without losing the network effects. Yeah, so it's it's almost like giving the user or the or the holder of the RSV stablecoin a promise to say this will be redeemable for dollars. We'll worry about the backing. Yeah. So for for the user who maybe is not is not even tech savvy, they just want to have access to a US dollar denominated account. They transact freely and almost without any worries. And on the other hand, the protocol and the protocol governance is worried about how to keep that backing the best way possible by switching the collateral assets, um, as you say, from three stable coins to two stable coins only and different types of stable coins, or maybe switch the revenue generation part of it. But for the user, is all of that is abstracted away. Exactly right. And, you know, if you think about, like, 
how a money market account works at a bank, right? Like the bank is going out and um, like making yeah. loans and all that different stuff. Users don't think about that. All they see is dollars on their screen in their bank account when they log in, right? And they don't have to worry about how, you know, the, the sausage is made, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good analogy. The bank will yeah. do reverse repos, uh, overnight loans and whatnot. And same thing here, you know, exactly. the will do a bunch of uh, DeFi, invest in a bunch of DeFi uh, forms, but at the end of the day, the user only sees dollars in their, in their screen. Exactly. Nice. I think that, that also is a good entry point into uh, the app. So you, you guys have an app, as you mentioned, you have over 700,000 registered users yep. for your account. Uh, what, what are these users uh, doing with their app? What are the sort of things that they are trying to do? What type of feedback have you gotten from them? Yeah, uh, folks are, let's see, they're doing a whole bunch of different stuff. And you know, something we realized actually early on uh, was that it's hard to predict what people are going to do with money. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, like when we launched uh, a couple years ago, one of the first things that people did was actually go from uh, dollars to bolivars in Venezuela. That was like the, the main first use case is people were trying to get money into bolivars to spend. <laughs> we're like, what? Uh, so off, <laughs> off ramp. Yeah, it was an off-ramp from dollars to local fiat. <laughs> and, really, oh, wow. and it was kind of surprising, but it made sense because, you know, people wanted to, uh, they'd been like earning money internationally because the local economy wasn't doing well because of the hyperinflation. Uh, and they wanted to get those funds that they were earning on the internet uh, into their, you know, to buy food, right? Oh, so <laughs> so they, they were like remittance recipients almost. Yeah, well, a lot of it was, you know, themselves working, yeah, uh, earning in dollars, and then just trying to figure out how to get those dollars to boulevards. And so that was really interesting. Um, another thing was we were worried about our ability to, um, you know, we we're worried in a hyperinflationary environment, can you actually make both sides of a market? Like, will, will that market work? And, yeah. uh, you know, kind of related we realized there's actually a lot of demand in that environment for the local currency, uh, despite the hyperinflation, because businesses need to pay back loans. And those yeah. businesses needing to pay back loans actually you know, outweighs the people that are trying to uh, flee the hyperinflation for um, like personal savings. And so that, that was another interesting learning. Uh, and then, um, but generally in terms of what do people use the app for, they use it for you know everything. Uh, companies are paying their employees, um, Businesses have the same problems that, you know, individuals have in terms of trying to preserve spending power. Yeah. And um, so companies are doing the same thing. Uh, people use it for saving. People use it to, as we use Venmo in the U.S., um, <clears throat> people use it to, actually, we recently added the ability to buy Bitcoin and Ethereum. And so, you know, people are using it for uh, buying and saving. We, uh, The app team, you know, uh, also just to clarify, like I... I focus on the protocol and I have a lot of context on the app, but not the full context. But yeah, pe people are using it for like everything that we use, you know, a combination of like banks and Venmo, et cetera, for, um, but they use it, you know, powered by stable coins. Yeah. That's, um, that's amazing. Do you know how, um, how they become aware of reserve or how, 
yeah, it, it seems like a like a such such a in general, DeFi is still a niche segment. So for anyone in in Latin America to say, oh, I might as well spend dollars through this new app, seems uh, a bit like a long shot. But you guys are are doing it. Yeah, um, it's funny, you know. Like I mentioned, people a lot of people don't even know it's crypto, um, uh. and uh, it, it's been um, a lot of word of mouth. And uh, you know, there's like stickers up in the stores. We accept reserve, um, and you know, friends telling their friends and families telling their families and. Uh, and then stores signing up because people come in and be like, hey, we want to pay with reserve, right? Like those are the types of things that have uh, driven a lot of the adoption of the last uh, two years. Yeah. So a lot of grassroots uh, support from the users as well. Yeah. When uh, <laughs> when your currency inflates 6% a week, you're looking for <laughs> solutions, right? <laughs> and it's yeah, that's, yeah I, I personally share that thesis that uh, USD savings in emerging countries and countries with high inflationary currencies will be the killer of, yeah the killer use case for crypto globally more so than um, game finance or any other of the you know famous thesis in the last year exactly couldn't agree more yeah and now are are these uh, users earning yield on their account can they earn yield with RSV uh, no and um is a good segue to the protocol actually. So yeah. we are hyper conservative and like our number one focus generally is safety. And so on the app side, you know, what does that mean? Uh, don't do anything that FTX was doing. Um, and, you know, like joking aside, um, but don't expose anyone to like lending risk or things like that. You know, keep funds one to one. And uh, we explored you know, we've explored doing things like Gemini Earn or things like that. But yep. the reality is that those uh, products are pretty opaque because you don't know who's taking out the loans and you don't know what's happening. Yeah, who's the counterparty. Exactly. And so um, you really don't understand the risk and it's kind of impossible to understand the risk, uh, which the last year has proven to be a very important thing to understand. Yeah, and even yeah. if like the individual user doesn't understand it, you want the market to be able to understand it and to do the analysis because there are people on crypto Twitter that are gonna dive deep, right? Yeah, I mean ourselves included. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know exactly. I would put you and me in that bucket. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's a big part of where the protocol comes in uh, because the protocol can support not just like a straight stable coin. And let me let me actually explain. Um, yeah, the mechanism a little bit more clearly. Uh, but so, you know, you define this basket for a currency on the protocol uh, for an R token. And that R token, you know, can be backed with various yield-bearing DeFi collaterals. Um, and so that could be like staked ETH. It could be, uh, you know, the tri-pool staked on convex, you know, things like that. Uniswap mm. LP tokens of stable coins, okay. things like that. And yep. so then that yield can actually go to a couple different places. It can go back to the R token holders in the form of appreciation. So like yep. your dollar today uh, will hopefully buy you the same amount of things. Uh, or your one R token today, rather, will hopefully buy you the same amount of things in a year. Yeah, right? so like the, the exchange rate increases over time. Exactly. Uh, it can also go to, it also goes to the 
the staked RSR pool, which is like an over collateralization backstop mechanism that protects against defaults, right? And so if any of the things in the basket default, uh, then that staked RSR is the first capital at risk. And so they're, they are uh, the governors of the R token. Yeah, People yeah. that choose to stake their RSR on a particular R token are the governors of the R token. And they're responsible for defining what is the basket or updating what is the basket, things like that. And also, if there's any issues with the basket, they're the first ones that pay for it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Sounds very yeah. similar to the other stability pool where you have that yeah. first loss capital uh, that protects lenders in case of... Um, of path that or yeah yeah and it's pretty interesting it's important to make sure that that those like ratios are right um there, there was a similar mechanism with maple for instance uh that i was actually <laughs> understand better this morning um <clears throat> but uh but yeah so these you know so these stable coins you know back to the different types of things that we can support on the protocol uh, you could have something that is just like a very uh, like a backstopped uh, and over slightly over collateralized stablecoin, uh, which actually are one of our partners, Mobilecoin, announced that they'll be launching something called EUSD um, in the beginning of the new year, and that'll you know it's pegged to a dollar. All of the yield goes to the staked RSR pool, yeah, um, etc. Uh, you can also have something that looks kind of like a you know high yield dollar, right? where a lot of the yield goes back to our token holders. And so over time, it's worth more um, and it appreciates. And um, all of the lending uh, that's done on chain is transparent, right? You can see exactly where the backing funds are held. You don't have to worry about who's doing the underwriting. You know it's held in Aave or Compound or it's being deployed into Uniswap or Curve Pools, right? Um, And you know exactly which stable coins are in it and what, you know, all that different stuff is all transparent on chain. Yeah, all of that leaves on chain. Mm-hmm. And then, so, okay, so you're getting this yield where, like, last year people were promising DeFi yield, but they didn't show you how they generated it, right? Well, now you've got this wrapper around a bunch of DeFi products uh, where uh, you're, some of, if you hold this, you're essentially giving up some of the yield in order to get diversification, uh, not worry about, you know, automation of the claiming and compounding. Yep. And then also someone to make the decision and pay for it if they're wrong uh, on where the funds should be deployed. Should be deployed. Okay. Right? And so it's it's like a, it's kind of sort of, you know, the, it's like a DeFi version of, or rather the, the TradFi metaphor for it. Um, I'm trying to choose my words carefully. Uh, so <laughs> that my GC would be excited with how I was speaking. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't get uh, into trouble. A good metaphor in TradFi might be like a money market with a money market account with like, you know, yeah. FK insurance. Right? Yeah, with a community portfolio, with a portfolio manager, um, without a portfolio manager and delegated to the community. Exactly. And so, uh, and what's cool about these R tokens, by the way, that's that are yield bearing is they can be sent and held anywhere, right? So they can be bridged to Arbitrum or Polygon for low fees or to MobileCoin, which is where yeah. USD is going to be bridged to, which is, which allows anyone to, you know, transact privately with sub-quarter cent transaction fees. Are they, so they, they are ERC-20, so they are fully composable by anyone exactly. who wants to use it, however exactly. they want to. Uh, and 
so they're exactly right and so that like that uh the staked rsr over protection mechanism that works no matter what the yield distribution that works no matter what yeah. um, and so you know it could be held in an exchange account and there but that they could still get this uh cheap or this transparent DeFi yield right yeah makes um, makes a lot of sense it also yeah. reminds me a little bit of origin dollar which we actually hosted uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, yeah, in this <laughs> in this there, space as well. There's uh, some similarities but, for sure. Yeah, but co- let, let's come back to to reserve. So, if I understood correctly, you, anyone can create a new uh, DeFi backed stablecoin. So, let's say I want to create, you know, Agma stablecoin today, yep. and so I need to to buy RSR tokens to be able to be a governor for that new new limited stablecoin. Yep, and then I can decide together with other governors who join in this in this endeavor where where do we deploy the the collateral across DeFi? Yep. And so we we sell the pitch to the community and say to say this this new stablecoin will be I don't know a third staked ETH, a third uh, convex curve pool, and a third a yearn pool. Um, this is what we expect it will generate over time, and part of the yield will be paid back to the our token holders. Exactly right. So the holders, the, the governors have to put a stake in the RSR pool to be able to have that decision-making power. That's exactly right. Um, yeah, the decision-making uh, power and um, the right to some of the yield from the underlying collateral. Yeah. Yeah. And does each, uh, let's say, governor committee uh, have its own multisig to deploy the capital, or how? How do? How are the R token holders insured against, let's say, uh, moral hazard on the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in in a ton of different ways actually. Um, so in order to be a governor on a particular R token, you have to choose to stake your RSR uh, into the governor contract, um, and you know then you get staked RSR in return. Um, those governors, you know, their funds are locked for like two weeks at least, uh, which is similar to how like proof of stake works, right? Like you have to actually put your funds at stake um, in yep. order to have a voice. Yep. And uh, what when you deploy an R token, what you really do is just define the basket and, de- and deploy the smart contracts. It's the protocol is a factory that deploys other smart contracts, very similar to Uniswap, where mm-hmm. Uniswap okay. is a factory that deploys trading pairs. And someone's yep. like, here's the trading pairs and here's some initial funds. Right, and then all of a sudden, those smart contracts are deployed, and then anyone can use them. And it's actually very similar with Reserve. The pro- when you deploy an R token, it deploys a staked RSR contract and a backing manager R contract and a variety of other ones um, that aren't relevant for this conversation or more make things work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but once those are live, then anyone can go deposit the basket and mint a new mint new R tokens of that type. And any, and then vice versa, if someone gets our tokens, they can go redeem one to one with the backing. And so all of a sudden, like that stablecoin exists and anyone can go mint and redeem. Uh, interesting. So the governor is only creating the design and deploying the contract, but you still require, let's say, other liquidity providers to go get the composition and mint the stablecoin. Exactly. And so this is, uh, you know, so like, okay, great. Who's going to do that? 
right, is the next question. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and so there, there's a couple things. One is uh, we're actually working on some smart contracts that'll make it easy to zap in and out. Um, so you can like, you know, put in USDC and it'll go get all the things and mint the R token. Yep. Uh, so yep. that'll be easier. And then, uh, two, uh, you know, we intend to, um, we we're one of the top 10 DAO CVX holders, uh, and we continue to, uh, accumulate voting power in the curve ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And so we are, you know, all of our voting power right now is going to the RSR USDC pool or RSR frac space pool pool. Um, but over time, when a new R token is launched, uh, we'll put put a pair on Uniswap or on a Curve rather, um, and then vote to incentivize it. And so folks will go. You know, there will be uh, quite high APYs in the beginning <laughs> for those R yeah. tokens, which will incentivize folks to go do it. Yeah, that that makes a ton of sense. I have one last question before we yeah. open it up to the um, to the audience. Yeah. Um, Ooh, let me check my notes. Oh, damn, I, I missed it. Might as well open it up to the community. I think there was, um, was a question from uh, Ramo. Let me give you uh, speaking. Yeah, let me open up your mic. If someone else wants to ask a question, feel free to raise your hand. I'll open up your microphones. Oh yeah, I remember the question. Uh, while s- someone else joins, uh, in in the long term, do you think m- most users will be holding stable coins or some sort of index-backed um, stable coin that grows automatically over time, like FPI or maybe an R token? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the question is like. Will people be holding USDC or something like it directly, or will they be holding it yeah. around it? Yeah, like an R token. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So uh, I do think that there's UX improvements by wrapping mm-hmm. these things in other smart contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think there was a uh, some someone on the product team at Coinbase recently was asking, like, I don't understand why don't um, people in Argentina escape inflation by just putting funds into uh, DeFi on Polygon and yield farming. I was like, well, uh, <laughs> I love DeFi and yield farming, and it's still annoying to do that, right? Like, you have to do a yeah. lot of research. You have to you know, be like, uh, you have to understand how Curve works. <laughs> you have to yeah, exactly. uh, claim your rewards. Yeah, uh, it's, not, it's not trivial. It's not trivial, right? And like, even now, as a person that loves yield farming and DeFi, I sometimes find it annoying to actually like do those things, right? <laughs> so, yes, like, I'm looking totally. for a lazy <laughs> solution. Um, and so I just think from like a UX perspective, like DeFi itself is an amazing set of financial tools, but isn't really uh, something that like mass people will want. But if you wrap it and uh, in an R token, for instance, um, or something like it, um, yeah. then all of a sudden it gets like pretty useful. Really easy. Yeah, it's really easy. And yeah, like, makes sense. Makes sense. Like you know, if it's listed on an exchange, then all of a sudden you can auto deposit into it, 
right? And all of a sudden, it's like pretty interesting as like an, a real consumer product. So I don't think that USDC itself is like a great consumer product. Like people typically don't just hold, I mean, well, lots of people actually around the world hold cash under their mattress. Uh, but ideally, they like to hold it in a savings account where it earns yield in some way, shape or form. And so, yeah, I'm rambling a bit. But generally, I think that people gravitate towards uh, great UX ways to earn yield on their funds. Earn yield, yeah, and have that uh, return on their savings. Exactly. Okay. Great. So, Romo, you have um, microphone microphone access. Go ahead. Hey, are you able to hear me? Yep. Oh, hi, Thomas. Thank you for the explanation. Super interesting. Yep. Um, I was wondering, um, you mentioned that reserve app users are not exposed to yield. Um, however, I'm wondering how is the reserve app, uh, which is pretty much outside of DeFi, connected to the reserve protocol? So for example, if I deposit $10,000 worth uh, of fiat funds, are those then used to buy our tokens? Um, or how, how does that work? How are those two connected if they are at all? Yeah, it's a really good question. I'm realizing I didn't fully explain that earlier. Uh, the, so today, if you were to put money into the reserve app, um, you get RSV, which is our current stablecoin. Uh, the idea, though, is that over time, the RPay app will have our tokens, you know, one of which might be pegged to a dollar and one of which might be have like the higher yield. And so then folks can go, uh, you know, and exchange their fiat for one of the two R tokens, whether it's this like, you know, it might be EUSD which is the one that I talked about that MobileCoin is launching. Um, or it might be like a high-yield dollar of some sort that might be backed by things like Convex, um, Aave, Compound, Euler, et cetera. And so uh, the, in terms of like how are the two things attached to reserve, um, the protocol is how we, you know, how we intend to help fight inflation uh, with new products. And then the app is how we intend to expand access to those things uh, to folks that didn't have access before. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, clearer now. And then on the RSV portion of things, I'm interested on um, that UX side of DeFi that you were uh, talking about. I similarly like DeFi, but I hate all the hoops that I have to go through every day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So who's custodying that RSV? If if I deposit as a user, I'm not in any of those Latin American countries, so I can't like experience it. But yeah, uh, is that um, held uh, like centrally by the reserve app on behalf of the user? Is that insured? Um, yeah, how does that? I, I guess I'm trying to assess what the risks are of yeah. depositing my USD with reserve app. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's essentially custodied um, crypto app, you know, just like any of the exchanges. Um, the funds are held in a in a NOSA safe, which you can uh, which you can click through to get to in the documentation. Um, and uh, it's really interesting. I, one of the big focuses at Reserve is on making crypto useful. Um, <clears throat> and a couple years ago, when we launched the app. Uh, one of the critical things to us was if people are going to use this, they need privacy. Um, because if you are paying in person at the store and say 
it was, you know, like MetaMask or something, right? And it's on chain. Um, then not only does the, like if you're paying for coffee, not only do, are you paying high gas fees, which totally wipe out the usefulness in some Latin American countries where, you know, it's like a 30 cent transaction and then like no way you're going to pay $10, right? <laughs> if the gas is the gas. Yeah. Um, but if you pay for that coffee, then all of a sudden a store owner knows everything that you have in your wallet and that you've ever spent money on, uh, as does the person in line behind you. And uh, so we, we just thought that that was unacceptable, which is why we went, for, and there weren't great privacy options at the time, which is why we went for uh, the central, the sex design, um, the centralized exchange design. Um, but yep. we're always exploring different ways to make it self-custodied, bring it on chain, et cetera. Super interesting. Thank you, uh, Thomas. Totally. Thank you. Uh, Harvesto, you have, you have a question. Um, maybe, maybe he's, yeah, maybe he's connected. <laughs> yeah, sometimes Twitter spaces. Um, you can you can you hear me? Hi. Yes, we can. Yeah, I was struggling for a bit. Um, hi everyone. Hi Thomas. Um, so I I have a contribution to make and um a question at the end. So um I okay, I I didn't join at the beginning, but um. I, I think I, I got the um, general idea of the conversation, you know, stable coins and um, what um, your, your protocol is working on and doing and how stable coins um, help to um, reduce the, the effects of inflation, you know, in, in certain places. So I'm, I'm from Nigeria. I stay in Nigeria currently and um personally i i love stable coins because that's um what i've been using for the past one year plus to receive payments you know it's it's kind of hard to not that there, there are no ways but it's mostly um illegal ways to receive um dollars here in nigeria you know, the legal ways are, are very much restricted to um, or, or a, a certain level of protocols, you know. So but stable coins, USDC, USDT, they um, make it so much easier to, you know, receive payments, make payments and all of that. So I, I have a question for um, you, Thomas. Um, I think at some point you um, made mention that um, like anyone could, or you're making it possible for anyone to like create stable coins with your protocol. I hope I'm correct. Um, so the, the question is like, if anyone can do that, you know, like how do we ensure that, um, like these stable coins are actually backed, you know, like when they are released for the general markets, like how, how do you ensure that you're actually backed with an asset and people are actually getting stable coins for their fiat? Thank you. 
Yeah, awesome. And, and thanks for uh, sharing your story there. Um, it's uh, it's always good to hear that I, I'm not just making stuff up and that <laughs> people are actually using stable coins. Um, so that's awesome. In, in terms of how do we know it's always back? Uh, so the smart contracts of the protocol uh, will require that uh, in order to mint new ones, uh, people will need to deposit at least a dollar's worth of collateral or whatever they need to deposit um, as defined by governance. And uh, vice versa, anyone can go and redeem uh, in our token for its underlying backing. And so, you know, that's like the core to keeping something pegged is to have that low friction uh, minting and redemption. You know, it's how like USDC, for instance, um, if you're an institution, you can arbitrage USDC if it gets off price. And that's why it stays very close to price um, because people arbitrage away those inefficiencies pretty quickly. And so we're expecting the same thing with our tokens. Um, and so we, de we define that uh, anyone can always mint uh, the one-to-one -one, and anyone can always redeem one-to-one -one using the smart contracts and the smart contracts will maintain that over time. Yeah, that's that's a key difference that USDC or even Tether only institutions are allowed to redeem, whereas uh, something like RSV, anyone can mint redeem. Yeah, exactly uh, right. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Hervisto. And last question for Dollar, uh, can't see the full name. Dollar question. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, thanks. Thanks for taking my question, um, Thomas. I, I was thinking about your what you were saying about custody versus self custody and privacy and all that and with this mobile coin integration i know that they um they do uh, work with signal and some other apps integrating their privacy chain and i wonder if you guys had ever thought about that for our pay uh instead of a layer two or something yeah 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 uh definitely um you know we're we're very close partners with mobile coin and always exploring uh different opportunities on how to expand that partnership um, and, and for years now, we've been exploring different privacy um, options. The, the big thing that the RPA team is figuring out is like, you know, how do you prioritize expansion versus new features? Um, but, it, but it's definitely, uh, definitely on the table and um, a possibility in terms of how, like, how we could expand the app. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the question. Amazing. I think that that wraps it up for for this space. Uh, thank you a lot for your time, Thomas. Uh, thanks everyone for joining. Uh, before uh, you leave, uh, don't forget to mint your pull up. The mint window starts in about uh, four minutes at twenty five past. And the secret word is stablecoin dash savings, stablecoin dash savings uh, altogether. So yeah, get to the pull up app on your phone so you can get your nice pull up. Uh, on under your belt, uh, and again, thanks a lot, Thomas, for your time, and great for, great to have you here. Yeah, thanks so much for hosting. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Well, see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, we will be hosting the ZeroVix uh, Lending Protocol on Legion responsibly, and have a nice rest of your week. See you, man.